Okay. Okay, Shavua Tov, everyone. Good morning. And thank you so much for coming. And this is a very, very, very fast trip. It was a, it's a beautiful, short visit here to this area of the world as my brother celebrated his son's bar mitzvah last night. So it's really a family simcha. I got in a few hours before Shabbos and I'm leaving in a few hours. And I'm here with my mother, which is a big schuz, which is really special. Mazel tov, Bubby. And um, it's your first time here. So this, year, this is like you're, you're coming to like my, my, my home away from home. So that's a very, uh, that's a very special thing. It's, it's a very uh, strange thing to be so far away from physical home and then walk into this bias that everyone, everyone feels at home when you walk in here, especially me and my wife who have spent Shabbos here together. So I just want to give this home a bracha to be a continued shliach neman of Yerushalayim, because that, that's what this home is. And bifrat zahava on her, we call it the, uh, the, the soon-to-be birth. It, it was already, or it's going to? Today is the name of Right, but the... the Yud Gimel Tevis. Yud Gimel Tevis. So you're in the now. From now until Yud Gimel Tevis, you're in the Cholamoyed birthday season. And it's a schus to learn with zahava for so many years now. And Zahava's basically, she's part of, I know she's a, an anchor here, but she's really an anchor of Arkehila as well, in, in, in Efrat. So, it feels at home. We wish you, brachas ad dai. Ad dai. And nachas from, you should give nachas to your children and grandchildren, and they should continue to give you nachas as well, Be'ez HaShem. I could, I could go on with Hakdamas right now for probably half an hour, literally, with Hakdama after Hakdama, because... My mind, I have so much I would love to share right now in the few minutes that we have together. It's so much. Hanukkah is so much. And um, right now, I, I, I want to start and end in the same place, and that's, and that's Eretz Yisrael. Because right now, as we're sitting here, they're starting to light the menorah right now in Eretz Yisrael. My wife and children are lighting right now in, in, in Eretz Yisrael. And right now, there are probably like a, a few... Not a few, probably about like 40 or 50, 18 and 19-year-old boys and girls that are standing with, on the Mishmar, guarding my family right now to be able to light the menorah as well. And they're not just doing that for them there. We all know that those holy chayalim and chayalot are doing it for us here as well. It's the same shmirah. So I want to dedicate the learning for their shmirah, for their hatzlacha, for their safety. And also I want to dedicate the learning... Leiluy Nishmas, Lealdina, Bas Ephraim. Nishama should have an Aliyah. And I also have a greater Hagdama than any of, than any of what I, I said right now, because we are living in, a, in, in the greatest dream that we have no intentions of waking up from at all. And that is that we built our, our, our shul in Eretz HaKodesh. We built our community in Efrat. And, you know, you say under a chuppah by Chassan and Kala, you say that the bracha is, v'hiskin lamimeno binyan adeyad, that the binyan, that the building should be everlasting. But we always say that that's a very, that could be a very boring bracha, because there are a lot of marriages that are everlasting, but the only thing basically about the marriage is that every year on the anniversary, they just mention the fact that they're not divorced. But it's a binyan adeyad, just, but, but the building didn't crumble, right? So when we say binyan adeyad, that the act that the act of binyan should be adeyad, that the act of building should be adeyad, should be everlasting. Now, why am I? Why do I feel before I even have the chutzpah to, to look into any of the words of the tzaddikim and share anything about yantiv that's coming up? Is because this is for me a very simple thing, and I don't only say this when I'm here. The MS, I don't say this. You could. If you want to listen to what Zahava said, and then like listen to anything I've said, you'll hear probably the same thing wherever. I was just telling my father in the car, on the, uh, after Shachris. 20, almost exactly 20 years ago, I came here for the first time. I had no idea what five towns meant. I didn't know what that, I didn't never heard of, I was never here. As far as I know, I was never here. And through a bunch of different malachim and, and, and shluchim, a person, his name is Zev Gans, Israel and Sarah Gans's oldest son, oldest child. 
somehow it worked out that I, I came here back then to open for Chaim David, who came to do a concert, Motzei Shabbos, the Shabbos before Shabbos Agadol, 20 years ago, in Young Israel, Lawrence Cedarhurst. And when I walked into the base Medrash at 6.20 a.m. in the morning, I'll never forget it, Matsasi es shahavanafshi, my eyes saw a torch of light that has continued to guide me every single day of my life. And it's only, I feel, I feel this matnas, you talk about matnas chinam, I feel this, you know, Hanukkah, chen, chinam, undeserved gifts, unworthy, this treasure chest of undeserved gifts, I'll never, ever, know. I mean, I know it's probably schus of us that we had the schus to, to ever get into music just so that I could come here and be in the base mattress on that Friday morning when a bunch of about 50, 60 people were crying over Hachshara Savrechim from the Piyasetz Nerebbe with, with Rebbe. And everything that I everything that I have the chat, the schus of hopefully doing with our Hevra and the shul that we built. And the and the the tefillah, that it's really not just a binyan that lasts, not just an everlasting building, but that the act of binyan is ad, that the act of actual growth is ad, it's only because I'm listening to my Rebbe. He'll say it's not true, but I'm telling you it's true. It's absolutely true. So I have an infinite Ein Sof HaKar Satov to Rebbe, and uh, again, you'll hear me say this, Bemet, not, not here, not only here, and everywhere, and that we should all, like Rebbe ends every single time I've ever heard him share and give over Divya Lekim Chaim, we should all end up together. In Yerushalayim Habnuya, Be'ezer Hashem Yisbarach. And until that happens, all of us together, I'm, and I checked this with my wife, it's legit, you are all invited to our Shabbos table. Don't threaten. Don't threaten. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually very happy. It's not, yeah, like, this is what, this is what I mean. Like, I want to see the rest of the hands saying, I'm coming next month, I'm coming next week. You'll come. <laughs> You'll come, it's a, it's a simcha, it's like, why do I say, like, why am I thinking about it in terms of a wedding, about binyan adeyad, because it's like this, it's a shana rishona. We moved in right before Pesach, right? Shabbos Agadol, yeah. Yes. So everything this year, right, everything this year is like Bikurim, everything's a first. Like every single moment, every single yantiv, every parsha, excuse me, every date on the calendar is, a, is like a Bikurim, it's the first it's, it's the beginning of something. So there's such, a, and there's such an excitement. And my chevra there are, are mevakshim. This is chevra. That if you have to, like, for the sake of articulating what type of people are they, it's mainly chevra that made aliyah physically one time and keep on making aliyah every single day. It's chevra that realize and understand that the, the games only really begin once you come home. That's really the type of chevra that we have. And I'm, I've only been gone for, I, I've just only been gone for three days. I miss them so much. I miss them so much. I, I, I got so many reports over this, this, this last Shabbos. Um, and this is, it's not another, it's not a shul. It's not a center. It's a besorah. I heard a vort, I forget in the name of who. Actually, I remember... Where I heard this word, it was Motzei Yud Shvat. Yud Shvat, as everyone knows, the Ptira of the Friedrich Rebbe, right? the sixth Lubavitch Rebbe. And a year later, it was the day that the Rebbe became Rebbe, the big day. Many years ago, I was in the old city for the Yud Shvat, and I uh, was walking past the Fabrengen, and some, some Chabatsker who definitely was about 30 shots too many of vodka grabbed me, and he looked at me and he said, that means, I know you think of me. You, you think, you probably think I'm another stupid meshichist, right? So let me tell you something. Who do we consider someone that's alive? Anyone that has a besora to share with the world. If you have a besora, if you have something to share with the world, you're chai. 
How do we learn this? Because it says about Adam and Chava, Vehayu lebasar echad. That means the Pashat Pshat is they were one, they knew each other, they were one, they became one, right? But it's that by being together, they had a basar, and the same comes from the same word. Basar, the flesh, having they, they had a besora to share with the world, that's what made them alive. So obviously, the or, the, the or of Shiva Sayamim, the or from the Baal Shema Kodesh, and the besora, that this kehila has spread all over the world and continues to do so every single second, has been the torch for so many of us. And we have a besora. We have a besora to share that it's possible. You could dream, you could, you could go big as long as you don't move a second away from the tzaddikim, and you could probably be zochet to build this kind of bias, a binyan adeyad in Eretz Yisrael. And so many people are, we're, we're talking all the time with different couples and different families every single day about making the move, trying to make the move. How could it be? Should it be? Should it not be? And all the, all the questions, all the relevant questions, all the legitimate questions. But when you're dealing with, with a besora, with the, there's, there's something to share with the world. There's a besora. There's something like Eliyahu Navi, Harachman, Vishlachlanu, Seyel Navi, Zachot, Vivaselanu, Besoros Tovas. You have something to share with the world. And you have it with so many chevra that are so plugged into a besora. They're, they're all Zahava's best friends, by the way. Just you, you, you could ask her about them. This is the type of chevra that Hashem blessed us to, to grow with. So that's why I said I could be MS, I mean, such little time. I, this is a thing that I could really start talking now and finish in Shavuos, maybe really what I want to say about the schus that Hashem gave us right now. But the roots of it all happened for me here in this makam. So I have infinite akar satov to the Rebbeinu Shleiman and to Rebbe and his family and to all of the chevra here for being part of the torch that is reaching the, the four corners of the world and it should continue to reach and reach and reach. Ad bias gold tzedek aminu amen. We started in Yerushalayim. We started in Eretz Yisrael. We're going to end. We're going to end in Eretz Yisrael as well. Could Hanukkah really be this simple? Could it really be this simple? Think about it. All you have to do to be Yotzei Hanukkah. All you have to do to be Yotzei Hanukkah is to make sure that for half an hour your game is on, more or less. It's to make sure you light the candles in the right time. And even if it's not in the right time, you could do it later if you have to. And they have to stay lit for a certain amount of time. But Be'etzim, that's it. That's all, that, that, that's all there is to it, Nachon. And there's a part of us that says if it's that easy, it can't be that real. Or it can't be that holy. If I'm not sweating, if I'm not really prepared, if I'm not really plugged in, if I didn't really learn all the kavanas of the menorah, if I don't really know the secrets of the secrets of Hanukkah, then maze, what's Hanukkah? Last week I sat with the prominent Rav in Eretz Yisrael, and he said to me the following, I've been thinking about it all week, he said to me, you know, Hanukkah, I've been doing serious tshuva every Hanukkah the last five years. I said, it's interesting. All the Torahs I read speak about how in Hanukkah there's no tachnun, and you never see even the most kalt liktvak. You don't see them by the Menaira doing asham Bagadnu. I think, as far as I know. I never saw anyone do that, right? So what do you mean that Hanukkah is the time of tshuva? So he said to me, that when he started learning Pneumius, he started going deep inside, what he would do is he brought every sefer he ever got from his bar mitzvah and his chasana to the menorahs, piled them up up on here. If any kid would be mafria for a second during the lighting, or his wife, was, was something was left on the stove or in the oven, everything was a distraction. And he always felt that um, it never, nah, the Ramban, what the Ramban says about every person lighting the menorah is like the Kohen Gadol going into the Kodesh Kodashim. Everything was a disturbance. Everything... Everything messed it up. Anything, the smallest distraction, ruined it for him. Till he realized that it wasn't just ruining it for him, he brought the whole house down. So he said, for the last four or five years, once he realized that his inyonim of how Hanukkah has to be, 
was the opposite of anything calm and anything simchadik, he doesn't bring a sefer to the menorah. Maybe he brings just the, the brachas, or it's maybe like, you know, the Bnei Sacher has a tefillah, the Naim Ali Melech has tefillah, maybe like one tefillah. And then he sits back and he says, well, I'm not going to use this from, for anything. But to see who? The candles? You think Hashem just wants you to see your candles? Yeah, Hashem wants to see your candles and mitzvahs near Hanukkah, ishu and the candles that are walking around your home. And he says, once he made that switch in his head, that that's really what Hanukkah is about, he says, I, he, he would never say it publicly, and he said, that's Or Haganas, that's the concealed light that was concealed from the, from the six days of, of creation, some days of creation. Only then, Hanukkah opened up for him. Now this is something that we always, always get stuck in so much. And we have to understand, really, could it be this simple? Could it really be that this is what life's all about? Could it be that Hanukkah really is all about? This Indian of just making sure that I light and being present with the lighting. Could that really be it? I said a tireless like this a few weeks ago, and I'm still working through it, but maybe you'll tell me what you think. It says that when Avram Avinu, you know, when we learn tireless like this, where we live, it's really otherworldly because... When we learn about Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, I always tell the Chavah, hey, look outside, maybe it was right there. <laughs> you know, Mama Rachel's buried about like four minutes behind my living room. Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, all the Avos and Imaos, Boaz and Rus, David HaMelech may have very well written to him in the mikvah of Arshul. It could very well be. Like, these are not, I'm not saying Dorim Alma. this literally is Kipshuta. So the story of that we, we learned a few weeks ago about Avram Avinu and the Malachim coming to greet him in Parshas Vayera struck a really deep chord this year because we said it to her like this. Avram Avinu has to run after the Bakar. You all know the famous story. And he wants to go shecht something for the Malachim, for the, for the, for the, the three guests. So the Bakar, how do you say Bakar? The... Uh, the cattle ran away from him, right? And the Midrash tells us he was running, running, running after the cattle till it entered into a certain cave. Avram Avinu walks into this cave and he hears a voice that says, it's not enough that we have to be embarrassed from the Ribbon Shleilam. We still have to be embarrassed from you too. Whose voice was it? It was Adam Avishon. It was Marasa Machpelah. The Baka revealed to him, like the mitzvah of Achnasas Orchim, revealed to Avram Avinu, Marasa Machpelah. What is that voice? It's not enough that we're embarrassed from you. We have, we have to be embarrassed from the Ebishter too and from you. What, what was that all about? So over there, the tzaddikim say it's that there was still no one that fixed the first chet, which was achila, the sin of eating. And what, what did that mean? It means that how many years passed since then? We know. Thousand, kimat 2,000 years, right? So Avram Avinu hears from them for 2,000 years. No one fixed this Indian of how to eat. So he goes back and he sees, first he serves them milchiks, then he serves them fleshiks, there's a dvar Torah, saraba ohel, everything's tzanua, everything's modest. And Avram Avinu thinks, wow, this is probably tikkun achila, being so holy, eating, kadat dechadin, kosher, quiet, v'zeh, and then the angels come and say, let me tell you something, that's not the whole fixing of the Chet Adam Arishan, because you're going to have a kid. And Hashem, the kid is not going to sit there. It's not, this is not going to be what the, t- what the Suda is going to look like at all. That'd be great. That's not what it's going to look like. What is it going to look like? Leave it to your imagination. What is it going to look like to sit by, by, by the holiest kid in the world, the first kid born Jewish, Yitzchak. However, it's not going to be all calm. And, but Avram Avinu, you want to do a tikkun of achila, of how we eat? The tikkun of achila, of how we eat, is what are, you, what are you freaking out about around the table? What are you freaking out about? So the tikkun, really, of chet eitz hadas, 
came with the besora that you're going to have children and the child within you that can't sit there calm and be so zoned in and focused like some of my chaver from LA that have, have spent times in the mountains in Malibu and deep, t- serene meditate, you know, meditations that take them to Olamos Elyonim. Mapitam. What I'm saying is obviously based on long tires from Rav Kluger and other tzaddikim as well about how to come to, you know, Rabbi Akiva Eger, the famous story, how when he would come to the Seder table, I, I think Rabbi said this many times, I've heard this from a lot of tzaddikim, the first thing he did when he came to the Seder table, the wives don't like, the mothers and the wives don't like this one so much, but this one, he comes to the Seder table, he sees it, looked, you know, mamish like this, and everything, everything was so misudder, and everyone worked so hard, and he said, ah, I'm not a slave to anything, and he, you know, he took the, tablecloth and he flipped it out and the whole thing went, he's like, you see where, and the wife's looking at it, you know. <laughs> so I'm not saying figuratively necessarily, but in our minds and our hearts, the greatest hachana we could have for Hanukkah to actually be lifted, to actually be besimcha, is to remember that if Chazal really thought that for the Oraganus to enter us We'd have to fast for three days, do siyumi manzar, and know the kavanas of the Arizal in order to really taste Hanukkah? They would have said so. But they didn't. We would have a masechta called Masechet Hanukkah. Have you found that masechet before? It doesn't exist. Do you know how much Gemara there is on Masechet on Hanukkah? There's about two and a half blot in Masechet Shabbos. And what does the whole Gemara talk about? Mitzvahs ner Hanukkah, ish, that's it. Hanukkah is about a person and their home. So first of all, I want to give a bracha for Shalom Bayis to everyone, because when you don't feel at home in your own home, it's Mamish Gehenim. So first of all, we should all feel at home in our home. Eretz Yisrael, Yidin, should feel at home in their home. And no one should feel like they have to go somewhere else for their home. But a, a very clear hadracha we have in order to feel at home in our home is the following few lines from Rabbi Nachman Elena that I want to learn with you. Usually I have, I'm just, I'm sorry, I should have sent something in. Usually we, we learn with sheets all the time uh, with Myron Makoma, so you have to forgive me, I'm just going to read a few lines from Rabbi Nachman. This is in Likute Maran Tenyana Peivav. So it's the uh, 86th teaching in the second chilek of Likute Maran. And, you know, there's another pilgrimage that is happening this week to Uman, because one, one of the times of the year that the Hasidim would go to Bidur Nachman was Shabbos Hanukkah. And I have, still have Hebra that even though they're going to Romania, Poland, or wherever they're going to get there, they're going to get there. Be'ez Hashem, when this Meshagas ends, it should be Bekar of Mamish with Russia and Ukraine. And all the Hebra, whatever they have to do to figure it out and be done with, um, we're going to relaun- be relaunching our trips to the Ukraine that we've been doing for many years now. So I've been on a few of them. You were also, yeah, you were also there on one of them. I don't have my glass on. I think other chaver may have been on. Anyway, it's a very special Indian to also, that, that's for another time, but to mention the tzaddik's name, Erev Yantiv, is always, always, always very special. It says the Rebbe like this, Likute Maran Tinyana Pevavda. Sha'al Yedei Sha'olam Hem Miktane Amana Al Ken Hem Tzrichim Letainis Dehainu Avodos Kashas The Rebbe says like this When people are of small emuna, Ktane Amana Small faith A person of small faiths Tzarich Leta'anit They need to fast in order to feel that their game is on. Dehainu avodot kashot. That means hard sweat and labor. Working really hard. This is for a person that's called Ktane Amana. Ktane Emuna. Where do we see that Lashon in the Torah? Ktane Amana. It's not in the Torah, it's in Rashi. Where do we see this Lashon of Ktane Emuna in the Torah? So by Noach it says about him, Af Noach Miktane Amona Haya. Rashi says there in the beginning of Parshas Noach. And everyone's asking, it's such a crazy thing, Noyach ish tzadik. The Torah says about him that he's an ish tzadik, 
Rebbe used to always say, I'm sure he still says it, it's amazing how whenever anyone wants to show that they know anything about Ptimius, they go on Noach bashing drushes. You know what I mean? I have to show, ah, I know that Rashi, and I, I know how really Noach was really, no, not, not, not so halig. And then stick to the pshat. Noach ish tzaddik talim But Rashi says there, Noach also fell into this category of what? Ktane emuna, Small faith. It says, mamin ve'eno mamin. That's the lotion of Rashi. He believed, and he didn't believe. So I heard Reb Shlomo explain it like this. Miktane amana means, small faith means that if you ask me if I believe in God, the answer is a hundred million percent. Mamin. What's the ve'eno mamin? Do you think the Ribbon Shalom believes in you? I don't know if that's really shayach. Maybe, maybe not. But I believe in God. You think the Abishter wants people that just believe in him and don't believe that Hashem believes in them? That's Ktanei Amuna. If I don't believe that Hashem believes in me, I'm going to go to a place where the Rebbe says here, the Hainu Avodot Kashot. I'm going to remember there was a guy when I was in, I was just talking about this with the Chavr in Eretz Yisrael. There was a guy, there was this Tamim Bal Tshuva that had just came to our yeshiva when, when uh, around the same Tkufa that I mentioned before, about 20 years ago, and in yeshiva in Efrabe, Rabbi Bravender, there was a guy, there was this beautiful Yid, that he was silent, almost always silent. Besides, like, a few times a week he would talk a lot, and we would see him eating, but during the week we never saw him eating, and he would barely talk. And he was very quiet, he was dressed very, very, you know, fafrum. And we didn't know what, what his story was till we realized that he had, the, the tshuva that he did to bring him into Yiddishkeit was, had nothing to do with the tikkun of this. So he ended up with what you call, we call gefilte fish handshakes. Do you know what that is? No? It's not, it's not so big here? Do you know what gefilte fish handshake is? Okay. Rav Kook has a Torah on this in Orsak Tshuva, a very famous one, that when a person does Tshuva, somewhat like Khalila Nebuch, when a person has to go through radiation, or chemo, and what does chemo, what do, what do those tipulim do? They kill all the cells, the good and the bad. When a person does tshuva, so even if they had any chiyas in them, even the good chiyas in them, together with the bad chiyas, everything gets shechted. Everything gets, right, fallen. So you have people that they in high in college. These were like, I don't know, these guys were on the wrestling team, whatever. Some Chabad Shliach found them on a Friday afternoon, brought them for Shabbos, game over. Their name used to be Kevin. Now it's suddenly uh, Yerachmiel Shimshon, right? These guys have nothing. There's no zecher anymore to Kevin. Now, part of Kevin should not have a zecher. 100%. <laughs> I'm not saying all of Kevin should have come into Yachmiel Shimshon, right? But basically, these are guys that like, you know, when you met them, when they were Kevin, you gave them a hand. There was a hand there, right? Then they become like, very, very, like the filter fish handshakes. It's like, the bare, I had one on Shabbos. Right? On Shabbos, someone gave me a filter fish handshake. I couldn't believe it. It's like this. What's a filter fish handshake? Is that you don't believe the Ramon Shimon believes in you, that still, you still have kayak. So everything is like you're just a piece of rubber, nebuch. Back to this guy in yeshiva, he was a gefilte fish handshake, Baal Tshuva, and he was doing bahab, he was fasting, he wasn't just doing bahab, he was doing Aleph Beis Gimel Dalet Hei Vav. Okay, he was fasting the whole week, and he barely used to speak. Then one day we caught him doing, there was one big snowstorm, my first year in yeshiva, which I know over here that's no big thrill by us, that's like Mashiach came in Eretz Yisrael. <laughs> And we were living up with the yeshiva was on a mountain. We caught him. Do, we caught him doing Gilgulei Sheleg, Tikkun Ariza, whatever. Not that, not to get into it so much, but basically being very cold in the snow for for a few ups and downs. Right? I took him aside. I said, "What are you doing?" He's like, "You don't know what I did in college." Like, okay, but why why are you why are you rolling around naked in the snow right now? You know, and how come you don't eat and how come you don't talk? He says, you don't know what I did in college. I like, I, you know what? I don't need to know what you did in college, but I have a feeling that somehow the light of the Baal Shem Tov kind of was like, not exactly part of the way that you are introduced, your chinuch, your, your education of the Ribbon Shleiman. Why? Da'a she'al yedei amana. 
Because people of small faith, in order for them to feel good about themselves, they have to fast. Hard work, hard sweat and labor. And the Rebbe goes through a whole tire here. It's, it's long, deep, and definitely not enough time for this morning. It's interesting because we say every morning, the opposite of Tzana Yimun is Rabbi Munasech. Rabbi Munasech. believes in us. That's like how we wake up every morning, like the exact opposite. They didn't teach them that in Tshuva uh, 101. They didn't, they, they didn't get to that parasha, nechon? Ki bevadai yadua, the Rebbe says, she'efshar la'avod Hashem yisbarach bechol davar. Of course, it's known. You could, you could serve the Rebbe Onashleilam through anything. There's a famous Torah from the Magid of Mizrich. I always feel like he gets the bad rap. He, not the bad rap, but Yutas Kislev became so much about the Alter Rebbe's release from prison, even though it's, it all started because the Magid, his Rebbe, told him 28, 26 years prior to the Yutas Kislev, this is our Yantav, it's his, it's his Hilula, it's his Ptira. It's a famous teaching, it's Shoshana's favorite teaching, but from the Magid of Mizrich. We say every morning, Mala Haaretz Kinyanecha. Kinyan, to make an acquisition, to acquire. The Magid says, a chassid believes, Mala Haaretz, the world, our life, our experience in this world is filled with different ways of making a Kinyan on Elokus, on godliness. The Rebbe is saying over here, Bevada Yadua Shev Shalavod Hashemit Barach Bechol Davai. The Rebona Shalem does not come to us with... The way I like to say this is that the way the Rebona Shalem comes to us is not in a manner of saying, you know, for you and I to feel close again, it's got to really hurt you. And I don't even know if you're going to make it. But try your hardest. Even though that's the voice that we have inside the Rebona Shalem is not going to... The way that we, we have to understand this word is not the Rebona Shalem doesn't come to us and say, listen, do you have another chance this Hanukkah, first night? What's it going to be like? What's it going to be like? Is it going to be like another another just latka party? Or is it going to be mamish beis amigdash? So when you get into that zone, you get all intense. And then you take it out on the first kid that comes and has a shayla on the dreidel. And you're like, you're bothering me with, the, with beis amigdash. Ktane Amuna means I don't believe what the Ramban said. I don't believe that when I sit with Ish Ubeisa and I light the menorah, and hopefully I have a few good moments of having consciousness that I am right now with the Kohen Gadol on the Beis Amigdash, I don't know how long it'll last. I don't believe that that could actually be what it's all about. But the moment that I begin to believe that that's what it's all about, the simcha I begin to feel is what we titled this year a calming simcha. It's a simchas margoa, which is what Shabbos is all about. Not menuchas aroi, menuchas margoa. And Shabbos, we say Shabbos is a menucha that really makes me inside, my bones, my atzamot are calm. It's a real calming feeling. You know, recently... We reached the end of Perak Hay and Achshar Savrechim. We've been learning Achshar Savrechim for over a year now. We're taking our time with it. No rushing. No rushing with it. Bnei Machshavatova, it took us about 70 something shiurim to get through. Ben Bnei Machshavatova is basically, you know how thin that sefer is, right? So Achshar Savrechim, you're learning here Bnei Machshavatova? No. Not yet. But you did. Well, the men did years ago. Anyway, there's Benos Machshavatova now. You could, uh, it's all, it's all there. In Achshar Savrechim, we learned something by the Piyasetz Nerebbe Hashem Yikom Damo that saved our davening. It saved all our davenings two weeks ago. The Rebbe says, "How do you know if your davening was really on fire or not? If you come out of a tefillah and you're certain this was Kodesh Kodashim, this was fire." The Rebbe says, "Then that probably was nothing. That probably wasn't anything." He says, how do you know if your tefillah was really made up of hislavus and hisrakshus, that it really was kadat v'chadin, that it really did something in your neshama? He says, if there were harim and there were amakim, if there were mountains during your davening, and you also descended to valleys during your davening, if you felt like there was so much light, and during the tefillah you also forgot 
if you're on Vahafta or Vahayayim Shamoa. Not that it ever happened to anyone in this room, but if it may have. Or we always say the famous, like, uh, embarrassing moment when it's Shabbos and you're davening with so much kavana, and then suddenly you catch yourself going like this during Shmonasai. Ever happened to. Don't raise your hand, but you know what I. <laughs> Right, you're davening. It's one of Shmonas of Shabbos, and you're going like this, and then you, then you realize it's. So then you start to do this whole movement of <laughs> checking to see your heartbeat, and then you put your hand in your coat. Or the Rebbe says, the Piyasaster Rebbe says, if you had a tefillah like that, that was made of very high moments, and also moments that you got lost, you lost track. He says, then you had a chance to really be someone that's an Ishmit Lahev, an Ishmit Ragesh. That Torah was a Yetzirah Mitzrayim for almost all of us. When we heard the PSS Nerebus Christi again Elenu say that, that to us was like, oh my God, if the Rebbe says that. So I want to say the same thing about the Hanukkah candles as well. The Hanukkah candles can be the greatest moment in our lives, or it could be the greatest michshol for the opposite of Shalom Bayes. Ketana Yamuna over here means that if Hanukkah is one big bolt of fire, then it's real. And if it's not, it's nothing. Rabbi Nachman says, He calls that actually Kilkula Yamuna. He says, then your Yamuna is Mekulkal. You made the Rimona Shleilam into this, the equivalent of a gefilte fish handshake. Sorry for the expression, but... You took such a big Ribbonah and you made him sound so irrelevant and so small and only appearing in your life when everything is perfect. You know, there's such a letter from Rav Kook that he wrote to his son of Tzvi Yehuda. We say this letter all the time. Here it's not a problem because here is the Tikkun. Rebbe has t- taken this and, and, and flipped it over. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But sometimes you can hear people speak about the Rebbeinah Shleilam. Hashem seems so pathetic and so small and so irrelevant. So Rav Kook wrote to his son Rav Tzvi Yehud and he says to him, you know, you're going to go out into the world. You're going to meet a lot of people and a lot of Rabbanim that are, so to speak, they're kivyachol, representing Hashem. And the way they speak about Hashem is going to sound so, so small. And so pathetic. So he said, the Pesach in Azinu says, Kishem Hashem Ekra, Havu, what's the next word? Godel Elekeinu. He says, when they, basically when you call out in God's name, he's supposed to make the Rebbe Shleilam seem so big. And so big doesn't mean so frightening. So big means so understanding. So knowing what he was doing when he thought of creating you and I that he knew there'd be mountains and there'd be valleys. A small God is only there when I'm on the top of the mountain and I don't have any impure thought. So he said to his son, you're going to hear people talk about the Ribbon HaShleilam, Kishem HaShem Ekra, Havukat When they speak about Hashem, it's going to seem so small. It's going to be Ketane Emuna, such small, small Emuna. So you know what happens to people that are open to the notion of how we learned the Piyasetzner and how understanding that Ebonish Leilam believes in us? What happens to their Yiddishkeit? Mala ha'aretz kinyanecha. The world is filled with different moments and different, different experiences of acquiring things. There's a famous Torah. I forget who it was. It must, I think it's Alexander Torah. And it says like this. From the leftover oil came the miracle. So everyone thinks that the Yevanim didn't notice that there was a little bit of leftover oil in one of the jugs. They they, they think that they somehow skipped over it and we found it and we made something out of it. And what was left in the oil, what was left, that was found, they did see it. The Yevanim did see that oil. But they looked at that tiny amount of oil, and they said, nothing can be done with this. 
I'll tell you a marshal without mentioning names or members of family, but I have a relative, a close relative, who when they were in high school, the guidance counselor saw, okay, you have a little bit of oil, but don't, don't try to apply to uh, college or anything like that. It's, you're just going to set yourself up for failure. And don't, don't have too much, for your, for your benefit, don't aspire too much because it's going to hurt when you fall. This person is leading two very, very successful institutions in Am Yisrael today. Because somehow there was a chashmanai that came into her heart and had her understand that emuna means that Hashem believes in me even with the naisar kankanim, even with a little bit of oil that's found in me. Umi naisar kankanim, says this tzaddik, dafka from what the world looked at and said, from this little bit of oil, nothing can really happen. It's from that leftover oil, nasa neslasheshanim. It's from that that actually the miracles in my life happen. And I want to talk about, just for a minute, what the miracles are. You know what the miracles are? It's a miracle if a Frum Heilig Hamish family can sit around the Licht, can sit around the Menorah, and not get freaked out if it's not Beis HaMikdash. That's the nice. Not that everyone sits in silence and everything is absolutely pristine and perfect. That's not the nice. That'll be the mitzvah la'asid lava. The nice is that I sit and I do the mitzvah kil chasa. I learn the halachas. I know how to light the and then I show the rebbeinu Lailam, I believe in you, which means I know you believe in what's happening right now. There is no greater calming simcha because it's a high that doesn't have a low. Many of our spiritual highs have lows. This is the type of high that doesn't have a low. It's mala ha'aretz kinyanecha. You made a kinyan of godliness at that moment in your home. Ishu beiso. At that moment, it's the opposite of the, what the Rebbe said. Sha'olam himiktane yamana alkem hensrimchim letainis. Tahinu avodos kashas. It's exactly the opposite over here. And then the end over here, the Rebbe says this line, which, 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 which really sticks out and sums up the whole thing. When there's small-mindedness and there's a blemish in emuna, it's called a bgam. It's called a blemish if I think that the house has to be perfect. It's actually the opposite. It could be it's a minosar kankanim. It could be it's a little bit of oil that's there. But that's actually all that's needed to rekindle the light of the home. I don't have to tell any of you. It's, how, it's all over the world. The fact that there's, you know, there should be a bracha, halal with them. I'm not, don't quote me, I'm not paskening anything. There should be halal, oh, I have to be careful. <laughs> it's happened before, it was not a good thing. They should say a bracha, halal with a bracha, every single day that there's shalom bayis in a home. And shalom bayis doesn't mean that you each... You know, not that we hidden or into breakfast in bed, but whatever the equivalent of that is, okay? That you each surprise each other with a gift out of nowhere. It's not what it's about. It's not the miracles. It's mitzvahs ne'er Hanukkah, yishu beso. It's just accepting that this mitzvah over here is everything that I need right now to be plugged in to how much Hashem believes in me. When a home looks like that, our children grow up calm, calm inside their relationship to Simcha and Kedusha is a calm relationship. Calming relationship. I remember one time a friend of mine came here for Shabbos and it was all, he was, in, I was, he was feeling it, it was all so strong, he took it on and he was flying high and he came, he, he wore a Yerushalmi kapata on Shabbos. You know what a Yerushalmi one is? It's the it's the white with the stripes, right? So let's say my friend's name was uh, uh, Zev. Zevil. So he came to give shalom to Rebbe, and Rebbe said to him, Zevil, even the Yerushalmis don't wear these kapotas anymore, right? His wife is eternally thankful for that statement <laughs> because the shalom bias that innate was enabled after the coming Simcha was now invited into their home changed the game of their home. 
It doesn't mean you're not supposed to aspire to fill your heart with Kedusha. But we're trying to aspire to fill our heart, our heart with Shalom Bayis type of Kedusha, which is what Hanukkah is all about. Shalom Bayis type of Kedusha is a calming one. It's one that seeps in very, very smooth, deep, and benaycha, and with shalva. You know, on Shabbos we say, Menucha Shlema She'ata Rotzeba. It's a very Shabbosdik type of Menucha. Here we're going to say it's a very Shabbosdik type of Simcha, what Hanukkah is bringing down. Because other than that, I don't really have to do almost anything during Hanukkah. But what mm-hmm. I want to say is that when I've mekabbled on myself that that is my Yiddishkeit, I start seeing Godless Habayra wherever I look. I start feeling humbled by almost every interaction I have with other people. You see, if the only way that I feel I'm in Godless is if I run to the tzaddikim, and this is like, it's a holy taiva, but it still may be even something a bit pagum, that only when I run to see how they're lighting, then I feel like I'm plugged in. I can't bring my wife and children into the Bichamaya. My, my brother-in-law just did one of his kids, but that's for another story. But that's not how we live. That's not our, that's not our mitzvahs. It has to be that we believe so strongly that the way that the light of Pneumia is for our door is being normal and being calm. And through that calmness, there's a Pesach Hashar to actually be as fiery as possible, but not the other way around. Not the other way around. Because when that's how I live and that's how I approach Kedusha, like I said, then whenever I go, suddenly all these different situations in life that feel like, ah, I, I, I can't do this. No, I can do this. I suddenly, the, the, the notion of what, what I'm what, what, what I'm bound by, what limits me, changes. Aaron Akoyin was the master of Shalom Bayis. You all know that he was running around making Shalom Bayis between couples. He wasn't going to husband and wife telling them, you know, your wife is a tzaddikis, a liyayna, kodesh kodashim, or telling the wife, your husband is a tzaddikis, he would probably whisper to them, you know how much space your husband, your wife has in their heart? They're just learning how to access it better. But do they want to be there for each other. That's how Aaron Akoyin was going around doing, doing, doing Shalom Bayis. There's a famous Torah from Alexander Rebbe. He says like this. This is a, this is a beautiful Torah about what Aaron Akoyin does. And this is the light of the menorah as well. And I think that when I'm plugged into a calm experience around the Neiros... I suddenly, quietly start to see the shinuim, the differences in my life, the different things that I could start to be plugged into. Aaron Akoyan, it says about him, Bayas Kain Aaron, very famous Rashi, Melamet Shelo Shina. Everyone's wondering, what does it mean that Aaron Akoyan, it says about him that he, when he lit the candles in the base of Megdash, that he didn't deviate, Melamet Shelo Shina, it's such a big... It's such a big, holy thing that Aaron Akoyan didn't deviate. The Torah says, Vayas Ken. He did as he was told. Shkoyach Aaron Akoyan. I want to have a, every morning that I wake up and say brachas, Vayas Ken Shlomo Melamed Shaloshina, right? What's the big vort that I didn't deviate and do something that I wasn't supposed to do? So the Alexander Rebbe said like this, and I think this is, the, this is everything we're tying in together. We want to become people that believe in small, gradual, holy, and healthy, and smooth changes in life. That's what we want to be. And hopefully that's who we are. In order to believe that change is possible, and that growth is possible, it will probably come more from a Piyasetzner visualization of Atzlacha of Davening than the other way. Probably. So Aaron Akoyin, it says by him, Vayas Kain Aaron, Aaron Akoyin was a yes person. He made you believe that through calming small changes, it's possible to grow. That's what Aaron Akoyin did. Vayas Kain. He was a yes person. Right? Vayas Kain Aaron. Rashi says, teaches us, Melamed, Shelo Shina. He changed the people of low, the no people. People that said, this is who I am. 
and it's going to be like this forever. Aaron Akrain looked at them and said, I'm a yes person. I'm going to teach you how to believe that all the low, all the no moments in your life can be changed to yes. But it's not necessarily about Gilgul Shelig in the snow to do tikkunim. It's not like the Alter Rebbe brings down one thing about Pedalatinius. It's not about it's not about these crazy avodos kashos that Rabbi Nachman was speaking about. It is the most calming, soothing, gradual moment of Kabbalah's Ol Malchus Shemayim. All the low moments in our life, all the no moments, Aaron Akoyim comes to our home and he kindles the menorah with me when I don't look at my wife and in my mind I'm saying, if only you'd start going to all the shirim that I've been telling you to go, then we'd have a chance to feel the shechina in the home. I can't believe I even said those words, but there are people that actually feel like that. And mechila, even from women that have all these different hasagas on what their husbands need to be in order to be real balabatim, lenches also, slowly, slowly, le'at, le'at. And then Aaron Akoyim comes and lights the menorah and says, this is a house. This is the house that understands what the light of Hanukkah is about. This is a house that understands what the light of the menorah is really all about. And then the, when you look back at your Hanukkah, that you, all the Hanukkahs that you had in your home that you built, and you had to choose a song for the soundtrack, I do that a lot with the Chavra. Like, go back into your memories. Sometimes with, this could be actually really scary uh, exercise for people. If you could play a song, choose a nigun, you know, of what Yantiv was like growing up, what song would it be? And you have plenty of Chavra that would definitely choose Al-Eila as one of, as like a soundtrack for their, 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 their experiences. Al-Eila is from, it's from Eicha, it's basically, this is what I'm crying over. Eini, Eini, Yardamayim. But it could be, you know, you could choose a, Lemancha. I think that's a good nigga. It could be, it could be, you know, Wait, like, I guess the best hachana for Hanukkah is what do I want? What do I want the soundtrack to be? Not that I have to play it, but what do I want the soundtrack to be that my children are going to recall when they get older? What would they say the nigan is? That is the soundtrack of what it was like benching licht. Not necessarily what's played in the house at that moment. And when you set that, that's already a way to go. To go weiter, but I want to end with the soundtrack. I told you we're going to start with Eretz Yisrael, but end with Eretz Yisrael. Because Hanukkah is the yantiv that happened in Yerushalayim. It happened in Modi'in. It happened. My wife grew up in Moshav Matisyal. You understand? She grew up in a place called Moshav Matisyal. I live on Rechov Matisyal. I just thought about this. Right? I live on Rechov Matisyal Hakoyen. I grew up on Highland the corner of Highland and Oakwood or Vermont, uh, Rosewood, Clinton. Right. My children are growing up on Rechov Matisiyahu HaKoyen. And I live on Rechov Harsinai. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom lives on Rechov Harsinai. What's that? Modi'in. These are real things, right? Eretz Yisrael's Shalom Bayis is, 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 is something else. Let me tell you about the highest Hanukkah I wouldn't exactly say it's calming, but definitely a perspective of Hanukkah that I never, ever in my million years could have dreamed of having. A few years ago, on, on Hanukkah, Chabad of, I think it's Chabad of Talbiya. I don't want to mess it up. I think it's Chabad of Talbiya. Hired me to come and play for one of the nights that they do a big candlelighting in the Mamila walkway. You know, in the beginning of the strip, on the left side, there's a menorah, right? Did you ever notice that? Mm-hmm. Right when you start walking over there, there's a big menorah there. And Chabad does a wonderful candle, like a really special... Every night of Chanukah, of course. Of course they do. Everywhere they do. In Yerushalayim, they're doing it. I want to give a l'chaim to all the shluchim should have infinite kochos to keep on doing their shlichos with such sweetness. We had such a Yutas Kislev by us, Baruch Hashem, and the shul was our first, like I said, it was a Bikurim of Yutas Kislev. We had such a beautiful Fabringen by us. I'm so proud of my Chavra. It was so amazing. 
And the next night I was by Rev Ginsburg, uh, which was just, whatever, I'm, I'm going off. It's just, you start thinking about this, the lights, like it spreads, you know. My visual of Hanukkah, of my soundtrack of a certain part of my life was every year I would go up to San Francisco and I was living in Los Angeles, remember? You, you came with me one year. Every year I'd go up to San Francisco to do the lighting for Chabad of San Francisco, Rabbi Yosef Langer. He, I think he still does it there, this massive menorah in Union Square, like a real center place in San Francisco. And um, I, I was so... My first my first meeting, my first time I got there, I was a little bit confused because I saw Chabadsker hold up a huge sign that said, Honor Jerry, uh, do pot. <laughs> So I was, okay, wait a second, I have, to, I have to learn, okay, honor Jerry, who's Jerry? Garcia, Garcia of course, uh, Jerry Garcia, like, pot, Rashi Tevis, put on tefillin. It took me a while to figure out, that's how they got them into the, right? It was a totally different experience I was ever, I, I, I never said anything like this before, and who was the guest of honor to do Hadlakas Hamenaira that year? Carlos Santana, if you know Brother Carlos, right? completely wacky experience, but what I saw from the stage was that Rabbi Langer has a torch. Today they would never let this because of safety hazards. But back then, they, they did it. He had Mamish a torch, and they gave out thousands of candles to the crowd. And you saw how he took the start of the torch, and he gave it to one person, and you see tunnels, you see just rivers of candles forming in front of your eyes. It was something, it was an amazing visual, beautiful visual. They have such sad it's amazing things. So anyway, to get back to the Chabad, is that they had me, I think it was, that must have been like three years ago, or four years ago, Hanukkah. And they said, we want you, on the third night of Hanukkah, it's actually the same thing's happening this year, because I'll, be, I'll be doing it Tuesday night, I'm going to take Bina and the kids to the first night that I'm really back. I'm doing it again this year. They said, we're doing Tuesday night, uh, the third night of Hanukkah, we want you to be there, and it's a special night where we, every night they honor someone else. The third night they were honoring victims of terror, families of victims of terror. Now, okay, wake up in the morning, mamish v'ha'har ashen kula, you can't see anything, especially where we live with the fog, and it's hailing, and it's pouring, and it's raining, so I'm thinking, okay, this was... You know, it was a good kavana to do it. It's not going to happen, because it's... it's it's the, the coldest it's been by us, and it was really, you know, it rains, when it rains, sometimes it comes down really, really hard, a lot of hail, and it's going like this, like 10, 11 a.m., 12 a.m., supposed to be there at 4.30. So I called the Rebbitson at about 11.30, I'm like, yeah, it's probably not uh, not happening, right? She's like, what are you talking about? It's like, it's, it's, it's freezing outside, and it's, I don't think Efrat and Yerushalayim have different... Uh, weather conditions, it's the same thing. He says, no, 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 we're still on. I'm like, Rebetzin, okay, whatever you say, I'll, I'll show up. It gets it gets worse and worse and worse. Then there's like all these hodaot come from the Moatza, like all minyanim, they shouldn't have, there shouldn't be minyanim in shuls because it's a da- safe, danger hazard, just diving at home, something, it was crazy. Everyone's freaking out. I called the Rebetzin at 2.30, it's like, Rebetzin, it's, 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 getting, it's getting worse. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll see you at 4.30. Like this Azaz Dekdusha type of, you know, like. So I, I told Bina, I was like, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to leave an hour and a half early. I'm going to drive really, really slowly because when you drive from Efrat to Yerushalayim, you go on Kavisha Minarot, the tunnel road. And so you get there, you know, you have to, basically it goes through a lot of fog because you're driving on a, on a mountain. I'm going to go really slowly. She really didn't want me to go. I also told her, listen, I'm going to get a call by the time I'm in the car that it's called off anyway because they realize no one's going to come out. Didn't happen. I'm waiting for the call. Didn't happen. I'm driving slowly, slowly, slowly. I get to the Mamila parking lot. There's not a car in the parking lot. Now, you know Mamila parking lot. Usually you can't find a spot. There wasn't a car there. The Shomer, the, the guy that opens the gate to let you in, he says... Right? I was like, He's like, Right? It's not Purim. I'm like, No, I'm telling you that. He's like, 
אתה משוגע? לך על זה. I was the only car there. I come up there, there's not a person, not only is there not a person, even the Chabad rabbi and his rebbitzin weren't there. But there was a microphone waiting for me. I'll never forget this. There's a microphone waiting, and I said, this is either going to be, I'm either going to feel very, very stupid, or this is going to be a gavaldiga tale that I don't know how it's going to end. But what do I care? So I, I have a picture of me. I'm covered from head to toe. My fingers were so frozen that I cut holes in the top of the glove so I could use it for, to, to pick with the, you know, with the guitar. Put my fingers on the guitar. I'm shaking, freezing. And I'm not exaggerating. This sounds like it's like, this next piece sounds like a, a movie. Eretz Yisrael, these things happen all the time. I see that there are a few families that, that they weren't wearing kippahs, but they started coming out and they were like hugging each other and holding each other. And they started coming closer and closer to where I was. There was one family. Two, it's just me. It's just me and a microphone and nobody there. One, two, there were five families that came. They were shaking. I thought, you guys are you're crazy. You could stay home. <laughs> I asked one of them, I'll never forget this. He says, Ani Abba shel Hadar. He says, who's Hadar? He says, Hadar Cohen. She was a chayelet nishmar agvul that was killed three weeks before, right there by, Shari, by the Shar into the old city. I asked another person there, and they'd say, I'm the mother of so-and-so. There was no one else that came besides the families that came to want to give covet and light to their to Nebuch, to their families that were killed in terror attacks. Eventually the Chabad rabbi and Rebbetzin showed up. But for a while it was just me in the pouring, pouring rain, freezing cold, with a bunch of these families that suffered terror attacks in their life. And I'm not exaggerating that if I had to give a soundtrack, it would be the crisp of a fire, that crisp burning of a fireplace, because it was so warm. It was, there was nothing, I've never ever tasted anything warmer in my life. I, I forgot how cold it was also because my, my, my fingers were completely numb anyway. I couldn't play. It was so cold outside and inside it was so warm when I saw Yidin that no matter what is going on in the world, no matter, especially in their lives, their lives are such a storm. And I said to myself, if they can schlep out here with their pain, some of these families just came out of Shloshim, if they can schlep out in their pain, and they can come and light the menorah, Bechatzros Kotshecha, literally, literally, Bechatzros Kotshecha, I could get over a little cold night. It ended up, for me, out of any Hanukkah Chagiga I was ever part of, that was the highest, highest, and it's not because everyone sang every nigun and we were davening like we were Kohanim in the Beis HaMikdash. I don't even know if half the families were even singing along with me. Better yet, dancing. But it was a calm moment of being around the menorah together. In that situation, obviously a little bit more extreme, because it tugs upon the most sensitive place of the Nishmas Ami Yisrael. Each of us have that in our lives. But when we have enough guts to just stand by the menorah and light it, Somehow the soundtrack we're all going to be choosing will be the most calming, soothing soundtrack. One, one that we would be happy if it showed up on any shuffle. It's not just for this time of year or that time of year. It's one that's the, basically the soundtrack of our neshamas. This is the light of Hanukkah. This is the light of Yemei Hoda. This is the light of Godlus of Emuna. Havu Godel, Havu Godel Lelekeinu. And I give us all a bracha, Be'ezer Hashem, is bracha, b'schus the chayalim akdashim that I started with, that are right now, like I mentioned, protecting my wife and children, and protecting us here as well. They should join together with all the chayalim and chayalot in Tzivus Hashem, and bring of the besora that we started with, that our shul has, that this kehila kedosha has, and hear the final besorah come from Eliyahu Navi, 
saying, Yidalach, you finally chapt what it means. You finally chapt what it means to feel godly. You finally chapt, you finally allowed yourselves to believe in you a fraction of how much the Ribbana Shtoyim believes in you. This is the Torah of Eretz Yisrael. This is the Torah of the Yantav of Eretz Yisrael of Hanukkah. It's the Torah of this Shabbos table, which I know is a Shabbos table that is a Yerushalayim, Yerushalmi Shabbos table, a home, a Yerushalmi home. And what a schus it is to be with all of you, to have my mother here, to be with just Mevakshim and Mevakshos, and I hope and pray that the next time we see each other, it's on my home turf. Chaim, Chaim, Chaim. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. you can find him. Chaim. Thank you.